Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I pray you're well, sending love and light to you and yours wherever you may be. Welcome to Path and Present. I'm your host, Baraka Blue, and we have a special guest this episode. We have Dr. Sherman Jackson. Dr. Jackson is the King Faisal Chair in Islamic Thought and Culture and Professor of Religion and American Studies and Ethnicity at uh, USC uh, and uh, University of Southern California. And uh, someone who I've had the blessing of uh, learning from over the years and always found great insights um, every time that I sit with him, every time I listen to him, every time I read his works. Um, but dust off your dictionary if you do read his works. <laughs> they are challenging, but definitely edifying, alhamdulillah. So we had the blessing of hosting Dr. Jackson uh, recently, uh, a couple months back, um, just before the uh, pandemic kicked off. So when we could all gather, back when we could all gather in real life and sit together. And um, it was a great blessing. Uh, we brought him, my organization, Wasat, here in Seattle, brought him uh, in collaboration with MAPS. Um, and uh, it was a wonderful weekend that we got to share with Dr. Jackson. And uh, during that weekend, we were able to sit down and have this conversation. So I present to you this conversation. I want to first thank everyone who supports Path and Present, uh, especially those who are giving through our Patreon. If you want to support this podcast, you like these conversations and would like for them to continue, please visit patreon.com slash pathandpresent and you can become a patron, a supporter of these conversations. All right, y'all. Salam alaikum. I found so much of my own journey in, in your writings, and um, I think there's so many ways we could go with this from, but I think just for those that have not heard, and again, elsewhere they can find you discussing this, but just a quick summary of the this idea of the three resurrections, the cliff hmm. note version, uh, <laughs> if possible. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Um, cliff note version. Uh, you know, I, I always worry about uh, talking about these things uh, 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 in a sort of, uh, uh, in a way that doesn't allow, uh, you know, to penetrate all, all the details. Um, and I think that I've become even more sensitive to that um, in the last few years or so, and uh, I think the reason that I've become more sensitive to it is that, um, and I talked about this a little bit last night, I don't know if you uh, recall, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm, I'm increasingly aware of just how impactful the phenomenon of, or the event of 9-11 uh, of and its aftermath and even now sort of punctuated uh, by certain attitudes that are given off by the Trump administration and, mm -hmm. and those kinds of things, I'm, I'm, I'm more aware of the acute uh, sort of psychological, emotional effect that that has had on large segments of the Muslim immigrant community. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, all that's understandable. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think one has to be sensitive to that. At the same time, that complicates these kinds of conversations because when you start talking about, you know, the three resurrections, Islam in America, that follows a trajectory that's, that's largely separate from that of the immigrant community, um, to many of them, that sounds like you're sort of lining up with those who are Islamophobic and who want mm -hmm. to, you know, marginalize them mm -hmm. and, and exclude them. Mm -hmm. You know, you're excluding them right. from the American narrative. Um, and, you know, that's not the perspective at all. Um, there does not have to be a single 
uh, American uh, Muslim narrative. Uh, you know, if you take the, uh, you know, the third resurrection narrative, for example, that's a narrative that begins with, um, I mean, basically the nation of Islam, but you could, you know, you can include uh, the Moorish Science Temple in that. Um, and, you know, it evolves, you know, you know, through Elijah Muhammad, Malcolm, through Imam W.D. Muhammad, and into Sunni Islam. Now, there are a lot of uh, traditional black Sunnis who would not identify with that trajectory at all. But yet, they wouldn't, they wouldn't see themselves as being excluded from the history of Islam or the narrative of Islam in America. Um, it's just a, uh, it's a, separate, it's a separate trajectory. So, you know, when I talk about these things, I don't, I don't talk about them in a way that, that seeks to sort of monopolize the narrative, uh, the narrative of Islam in America in such a way that, you know, excludes immigrants or lines up against mm -hmm. them or identifies with, uh, you know, America against the, uh, against the uh, quote-unquote bad immigrant. Um, mm -hmm. um, I think that's an unfortunate occurrence that, you know, now sort of defines the spaces in which we have to speak. Um, but it's there, and I, I, I want to be sensitive mm -hmm. to that. So, you know, I just want to put that out there. This is not an, an attempt to, you know, to monopolize for the purpose of excluding anyone, although I will say that, and this is another aspect that, you know, a lot of people don't realize because, I mean, I've been a Muslim over 40 years, so I go back, you know, to a time where, you know, many of some of the people who are most vocal now, I mean, they don't, they don't identify with that. It was sort of, sort of before their time. Um, but there were, <laughs> there were uh, attempts to monopolize the narrative of Islam in America before. But being, be that as it may, um, the, third, the three resurrections. I mean, I focus on the trajectory leading from the nation of Islam into Sunni Islam. Um, not, in fact, uh, because that's my trajectory. I was never a member of the nation of Islam. Um, but what I find to be uh, important about them is that, to my mind, they, more than anyone else, um, are responsible for the phenomenon of what I refer to as communal conversion in the black community. Mm -hmm. And by communal conversion, I don't mean that everybody just converts to Islam. Mm -hmm. But what I mean is that um, they construct uh, a relationship between Islam and black identity that enables a person to be black and Muslim both authentically at the same time. Um, this is something that I think is, is quite unique to the black community in America. So I'm sure that like as a, as a, as a, as a, white, as a white Muslim, I mean, I'm sure you encounter people like, what? I mean, are you from Turkey or? Um, it's 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 hard to reconcile. The real Caucasians. Like yeah, the, like, yeah. The, like the, you know, you know. The real Caucasians are Muslim, which is ironic, right? Right, the right. Chechen right. and the Dagestanis. But, but 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 here in America, I mean, that association is really rarely made, and so it's like. Um, and by the way, this 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 will be one of the barriers between many uh, many white Americans and Islam. Yes. I mean, not the theology of Islam, not Sharia, not the culture, none of that. But the idea that, you know, my identity as a white person, I mean, I just have very, I have a hard time reconciling that with being a Muslim. Yes. All right? Um, that's not the case in the black community. Yes. And the identity between, or the identification between Islam and, 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 and black identity is not an extension of, you know, the slave period where you have right. slaves coming into America from Africa. That's not an extension no, of that. That's an important distinction. Um, People yeah, assume. Yeah, oh, they yeah. do. Um, I see the nation of Islam, um, the efforts of Elijah Muhammad, and especially uh, 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 Malcolm X, um, whose 55th anniversary of his passing was just yesterday. Um, um, I see them as being more responsible for that identification between Islam and, and, and black identity than yes. any, other, any, yes. other, any other movement in America. And that has been seminal for the history right. uh, of Islam in America. Mm -hmm. Of course, the first resurrection was, you know, the time where uh, Elijah Muhammad argued that <clears throat> uh, black people um, had suffered a mental death under, under slavery in the aftermath. Um, uh, 
uh, as a result of which they needed to be mentally resurrected. Right. And that was his, that was his mission, to, to mentally resurrect uh, the black community. Um, and so what he did, um, you know, from around 1934 all the way up to the time of his death in 1975, um, that, that goes under uh, the, the designation of the, of the first resurrection. Now, when he dies and Imam W.D. Muhammad comes in, rahimahullah, um, and he makes this uh, just enormously uh, courageous move um, to take the nation of Islam into Sunni Islam um, to, you know, to expunge the problematic aspects of nation theology and, and to convert the whole movement into Sunni Islam, um, a, a feat for which I'm not sure he's been given all his due credit to this day. Um, but when he does that, that comes to be recognized as, as the second res resurrection. Um, now, the third resurrection is a neologism that I came up with because what I, what I came to see is that you know, by the time I came into Islam um, in the late 70s, um, already I could see a shift in the basis of um, religious authority from the sort of, um, sort of the, the perspective of black religion that sought to deplore religion for the purpose of coming to terms with the reality of anti-black racism in, in America. Mm -hmm. uh, and the religion was sort of read through that prism mm -hmm. um, so that it could be uh, made effective in addressing that issue. Um, that was already shifting to the historical intellectual tradition of Islam. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, you have, uh, at the same time, you know, the much more uh, dense uh, 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 numbers of, of immigrants coming from the Muslim world um, who, who, who don't have anything to do with the first or the second resurrection in particular, uh, and they're coming with a, you know, a different perspective on what it means to define and you know, um, articulate Islam. And so the basis of that authority is shifting to you know, the traditional Islamic intellectual heritage. Um, and what that meant to me is that if black Americans are going to maintain the ability to get Islam to speak effectively to the realities that define their lives, they then are going to have to at least gain facility in that classical tradition, if not mastery of it. Mm -hmm. uh, otherwise, they will not be in a position to speak for themselves. Um, others will be speaking for them, and speaking for them in a context where their understanding of America might, be not, might not be that of, of, of the black American community. So the third resurrection, um, to my mind, was, okay, the authority under the first resurrection was Elijah Muhammad, an individual. The authority under the second resurrection was Imam W.D. Muhammad, an individual. The authority under the third resurrection uh, would be... Um, would be mastery of, or at least facility in, you know, the classical intellectual tradition of Islam that would enable the black American community, um, and that was the focus at that time, um, you know, to engage in the kinds of discourses, the kinds of give and take, um, the kinds of, uh, you know, constructive thinking that would enable them to get Islam to speak effectively to their realities yes. on the one hand, um, while ensuring that the authenticity, yes. uh, doctrinally speaking, uh, was not lost. Yes. So, so that was the whole idea behind, behind the third resurrection. And so there's a balance that you point out, that grounding in the tradition itself, but also you can go to an extreme in that where you make your focus and your concerns such that you make yourself irrelevant to the broader context of the black American experience. Mm -hmm. And you point out that, the, in fact, that the genius of uh, the Nation of Islam, for instance, is that, and it's actually incredibly prophetic in the sense that Elijah Muhammad was able to articulate that our original nature is Muslim. 
Mm-hmm. Our original language is Arabic. We are from Mecca. We are the lost tribe of Shabazz. That you're not going to something foreign. You're going back to who you always were, in fact, that you have lost. And that, interestingly enough, for whatever heterodox theological constructions we could say, is the core message of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, to the Arabs that you think this idolatry is your tradition. You think this is the way of your fathers. But before your fathers, your true father is Ismail and Abraham. And that you are monotheist. And this, true, this Kaaba itself was, uh, was, a, was a house of God. The one true God. And that in fact, this is in a lineage of prophets all the way back to Adam. And I'm calling you back to the primordial state that you have always been upon. And so in that sense, that is a profound... Um, understanding that you, yeah. I mean, look, I, I I don't I don't particularly agree with Elijah Muhammad's myth making, and I'm mm-hmm. not. I don't I don't think that um, even that that kind of that kind of myth making in and of itself, in terms of its substance, mm-hmm. was, was was necessary. Um, and I, I certainly don't agree with all the details of it. Mm-hmm. Now, the end to which he deployed it, I mean, that that's another question, mm-hmm. and I think that. Um, you know, one has to be uh, sensitive to the needs of a people yes. that one sets out to serve. Um, and, and that's what he was trying to do. Quite frankly, and I think that this is one of the aspects of, quote unquote, that classic tradition that's not understood. And that is that my understanding of the classical tradition itself, all right, is that it is always deployed in a manner, all right, that 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 seeks to address the concrete issues on the ground wherever it happens to be. And this is why you'll find, even within a single school of law, yes. all right, you'll find, you know, Baghdadi Manichees have one opinion, the Egyptian Manichees have another, the Manichees in Spain have another. They're all dealing with different social, political, social, cultural contexts, mm-hmm. all right? Yes. And Islam is always about how you take the transcendent values, the transcendent virtues, the transcendent truths of Islam, mm-hmm. and you concretize them, yes. all right, in the historical circumstances in which you happen to be, all right? Um, and I think that, again, the, the, the challenge that we have had is that, um, you, know, you know, if you study overseas, then you're also... To some degree, you're internalizing the sociocultural, the sociopolitical, the historical realities of the place in which you happen to be studying. Mm-hmm. Um, when you come back to America, or if you just immigrate to America, what, 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 what is required is a translation move. You have to translate all of that into a new, a different sociocultural milieu a social political milieu, a different historical milieu, all right? And I think that that, that is a task that, you know, we, we're still in, in, in the process of doing. But, I mean, I didn't see this as anything unique to Muslims in America, mm-hmm. all right? I mean, this is what Muslims, mm-hmm. following that classical tradition, have been doing forever. Yes. Um, um, <laughs> I remember, um, I mean, when I talk about, you know, Articulating Islam in a manner that it is it is relevant to the to the realities of America, um, you know. I, it, some people think that well, you know, that means you know just just exclude the immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, nothing could be further from the truth. I mean, the reality is is that <laughs> that perspective uh, uh, was really solidified in my own mind um, by an old friend of mine. Um, who died in the seventh century of the Hijra, mm-hmm. uh, somebody I worked on quite a bit, Shihabuddin al Qarafi. Mm-hmm. And he says explicitly if someone comes to you seeking a fatwa, you do not give them a fatwa based on the custom or the realities of your own country. You ask them about what is the reality, what is the culture, what is the custom of their country. And then you process the data of revelation and what the prophet had to say in the context of that. Mm-hmm. That is real fiqh. Yes. All right? There's nothing American about that. Mm-hmm. That's Islamic fiqh. That's right. I mean, that's, in, that's the intelligent approach 
uh, to Islam. Right. So for me, you know, that's what it's about doing uh, in America, sure. right? And if 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 we don't do that, um, you know, my fear is that as as bad as you know the the the, the perceived persecution, the the Islamophobia, yes. and all those kinds of things may be, yes. they are not the greatest threat to religion. No. To my mind, the greatest threat to religion. In fact, it's very interesting. Um, I was in a conversation with a with a Jewish woman once, and um, I said this I, that I didn't believe that persecution was the greatest threat to religion, and uh, and she said to me, you know, you're absolutely you're actually right. In fact, it can be um, actually an enhancement. Um, talking about her own experience as as, as a Jewish woman, um, and, and how uh, the perception of being under threat by the outside world can be double one's efforts. All right, can incentivize one right. to, redouble, to redouble one's efforts mm -hmm. in terms of preserving, yes. preserving their religion. Um, but to me, the kiss of death um, is apathy, born yeah, of irrelevance. Right. Right. Yeah. All right, where, where, where the religion is simply not relevant yes. to the kinds of things that, 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 that define people's lives. Um, and oftentimes, it's not simply a matter of, okay, how do we sort of come to terms um, you know, let's say with, with, with secularism, all right? How do we adjust to secularism, all right? I'm not a big fan of all this adjustment. How do we readjust secularism? You see what I'm saying? How do we, how do we modify it? How, we, how do we move it in a different direction? How do we then um, inject Islamic sensibilities, you know, into the atmosphere in which we live, all right? Um, um, sensibilities that change the way that people think about things. Yes. You know, it's, uh, who was it? I think, uh, I know Richard Roydy uh, quotes him. I can't remember who he's quoting, but he said, you know, the trick is if you want to live by a particular chosen order, the trick is to create the tastes by which you will be judged. Mm. Right? And so how do we as Muslims do that in a place like America, all right? Um, which, which, which goes into another conversation that you and I have had on, 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 on occasion, and that is that um, Islam is much more than its shari'ayat. In America, we will need serious cultural production in order to try to inform the tastes, all right, that determine how we are judged. Um, and all of that, to me, um, is, you know, that's part of my understanding of the classical tradition yes. itself. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I love everything you're saying, and I think, um, in other words, you know, I heard you say once um, that what the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, said in 7th century Arabia was la ilaha illallah, and that was the most revolutionary statement that one could say. And you pointed out that if you were to walk through uh, America today and said, there's no God but God, the one God, most people would say, yeah, okay, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but you pointed out that it's not that that phrase has become less revolutionary, it's that we fail to identify the idols of our time. Right. And that one of them you mentioned is, is white supremacy mm -hmm. and the power of the Nation of Islam and Malcolm and, and these is that it identifies the idol under which the people are suffering. And it starts to crack that idol. And in doing so, it, you know, it's like Islam was respected amongst black people because of a Malcolm, because of a Muhammad Ali, because of, and, and, and Malcolm wasn't respected because of Islam. Right? It was the opposite. It was that Islam became positively connotated because of these individuals who said, this is what Islam is. Mm -hmm. And I'm doing this on behalf of what Islam is on that level. But I think, you know, in thinking also about, I mean, really what you're saying is like you have to understand the psychology of a people and what their wants and needs and hopes and dreams are. And you have to communicate uh, 
a an expression of a tradition that speaks to those things. Yeah, but I think you also have to. I mean, look, we have to be very careful about mm-hmm. something. You know, um, it it is true that La ilaha illallah was you know was a revolutionary statement. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but but one of the things that we have to be very careful about, mm-hmm. La ilaha illallah begins with with a negation. Yes. Um, and it's important to get that negation straight. And it's important for that negation to reach its fulfillment and its completion in terms of the complete denial of all ultimate authority mm. to anything, anything, all right, um, in this created world. Mm-hmm. And yet, having done that, all right, the task is not done until we arrive at the affirmation that comes on the heels of that negation. And oftentimes what we get, we get stuck in the negation. And in fact, we may even arrive at a point where we, uh, where we complete the negation. But then from there, we don't get to the affirmation. So we get the la ilaha, we get the la ilaha, all right? White supremacy is, that's not an ilah, that's not a God, we should not be bowing to it. Um, that should not be the determinant of all meaning and creation. Um, you know, that should not be the thing that rearranges the furniture in my psychological, emotional universe. We, we get all that, all right? But then what should, all right? Where is the illallah? And this is where you get into questions of theology and all kinds of other things. Um, so I think it's really important for us to remember. and. You know, to, 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 to judge some of these movements fairly, I mean, you just have to see them in historical context. I mean, it's a, it's a relatively short period of time. Um, but I, I do think it's important that, you know, not only do we negate white supremacy or any other thing that's out there parading as, a, mm-hmm. parading as an ilah, you know, we have to complete that, uh, that, 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 that move, you know, with the affirmation, all right, mm-hmm. that, that we move from false gods to, to the true God, in his revelation, in his guidance, I mean, and, and, and what he wants and does not want uh, for us both individually and, mm-hmm. and, and, and collectively. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the whole, and this is something that I've become much more, I think, sensitive to um, in the last number of years, um, not simply what, 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 what Allah and his messenger have said, mm-hmm. um, but the whole enterprise of dedicated communities of men and women who have committed their entire lives to trying to you know, determine what that means in concrete terms, not abstract terms, but in concrete terms, on the ground, in the lives of societies and communities. That, too, is a part of our heritage, mm-hmm. all right? Um, Islam is much broader than just the shari'at, mm-hmm. all right? Um, and Islam as a civilization was built by more than just Imam Malik and Abu Hanifa and Al-Ghazali and Ibn Taymiyyah and all the religious scholars, all right? There had to be military generals, right? There had to be architects. There had to be physicians. There had to be accountants. There had to be engineers. There had to be all kinds of people, all right, who added to the Shariat. Who, who sort of concretized them in terms of Islam as a civilization. Mm-hmm. And those things are just as meaningful to us today. Yes, and, and we need to get back to that. And I think that one of the tensions, certainly in Islam in the West today, is that we sort of, we sort of assume that shari'ayat are the only thing that is important for Islam as a civilization. Mm-hmm. As a result of which, Everybody wants to have authority in shari'at because that's the only authority that's recognized as Islamic, all right? Well, what if I'm just an everyday Muslim, you know, I know my basics, I read the Quran, I pray five times a day, I don't do any kabir, all right? But I'm a master moneymaker. How is that not of value to a Muslim community? Sure. All right? Okay? Or I'm a master military genius. All right? Or I got the next best, I don't know, whatever that technological innovation might be. All right? How is that not of value for Islam as a civilization? Why would his activities in that regard be any less Islamically valuable? All right? Than those of the scholar who are studying Quran and Hadith. If we're talking about Islam as a civilization, as it was always meant to be. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think there's there's something there's a profound parallel that I find um, in what in what you trace with Islam and the Black American. You know, let me let me stop you. Something you know, you know, you know that book was actually it, it was published 15 years ago. You know, I've said this before. I actually started writing Islam and the Black American over 20 years ago. I started, you know, 1999, 2000, mm. something like that. And then, to be honest with you, um, and this will be hard for lots of people to to mm-hmm. to to sort of understand today, because uh, you know many of them were not there in those 90s. The 90s were tough. Mm-hmm. All right, the 90s was a was a period of of a lot of schismatic strife mm-hmm. among Muslims in America. Um, you know, you know, you, you know, just a lot of strife. Let me just leave it at that. I don't want to mm-hmm. reopen any kind of wounds or anything like that. So I started writing that book, and then to be honest with you, I got uh, I got concerned. You might even want to say scared. I I got concerned that 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 this book might add to the strife, to the schism, to the mutual recriminations that were already taking a toll on the community. Mm-hmm. So I stopped writing Islam in the Black American, and then I went and I wrote. <laughs> I translated Al Ghazali's books, Place of Tafriqa, on the boundaries of theological tolerance in Islam. Yes. And that was very purposeful because what I wanted to establish is this okay, you may fundamentally disagree with the contents of this book or any other book by any other scholar, male or female. You may fundamentally disagree with it, all right? But let's get our boundaries straight. Mm-hmm. You follow what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because even though I disagree with something, disagreeing with it does not authorize me, does not justify my excommunicating that person from Islam. Mm-hmm. All right? Um, and, and the best defense against that misguided impulse would be to lay out the criterion for the boundaries of who is in and who is out of Islam very clearly. And what we find is that they're quite broad, much broader than people, uh, than people think they are, mm-hmm. all right? So I wanted to lay that out so that once Islam in the black American is, is completed, then we could have the knockdown, drag out kinds of debates and arguments, all right, with no one fearing uh, you know that that excommunication could be the result of these kinds of, of these kinds of debates, and I say that only to say that you know, 15, 20 years—that's a long time ago. Um, and there are ways in which my thinking has has evolved. Um, I think the basic thesis, um, 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 still—I mean, I would still abide by, and in some ways. Um, I'm, I'm more convinced now of parts of Islam in the Black American than I was then, um, um, but I think that that book should be read in the context of you know 15, 20 yeah. years ago, mm-hmm. um, um, and 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 not uh, and, and, and 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 not necessarily seen as being a reaction to what's going on right now, sure. right? Because many people, um, um, at its origins, that was not a post 9/11 book. Yeah, and I think that's really important, and I, I want to get in, inshallah, uh, at the, towards the end of this conversation on, to what, you know, since then. But one of the parallels that, that I really reflected on is that there is, I mean, you mentioned, right, uh, it's almost kind of comical that if someone says, you know, a black Muslim, it, that's, that's normalized for us. If someone say a black Hindu, a what? Mm-hmm. A black Hindu, that would be strange. And it's not that different if you were to say a white Muslim, mm-hmm. right? Black Hindu, white Muslim, right? But interestingly enough, there are these, as I see it, two streams into uh, the gener- the most broadest categories of Islam, right? And y- so you trace Islam in the black American, but this other stream is Islam in the white American. Mm-hmm. And I think if you go vast enough, you find that in the Renaissance period, there is, in especially in places like Florence and you know the kind of Neoplatonic academies, there is a interest in non-European religious thought, especially in mysticism and esoteric currents and these type of things, 
And then that comes into, you know, of course you have the romantic poets in Europe. Goethe was deeply influenced by Hafez, right? He considered Hafez the actual greatest poet in human history. Learns Persian so he can translate it. Goethe, you know, considered the greatest poet in German in the German language history. His grave, there's a chair for him and a chair for Hafez. Have you seen this? On his grave. Mm. And he actually wrote the East-West Diwan. That he is, he is, it's a conversation with him and Hafez. So these, the two chairs upon his grave are so that the spirit of him and the spirit of Hafez, a Shirazi, can have a conversation. Then, you know, that influences the transcendentalists in America, right? Ralph Waldo Emerson, who is concerned who is considered America's philosopher by many, right? He is reading, um, he can read German but not Persian, so he's reading the German translations of the Persian uh, mystical poets of Islam. He signs many of his poems Saadi, right? So they were even called the Cambridge Persians in Harvard at that time. Walt Whitman has poems where he says, Oh Allah, he calls God Allah. This, this stream, and of course we could also mention, it should be mentioned that Emerson also was an abolitionist. He wrote against slavery, intellectual tracts against slavery as an institution. So you have this current, and of course, but it should be mentioned that it wasn't just like, oh, we're becoming Muslims. It was more an ecumenical openness to wisdom wherever it is found. So, uh, you know, the those transcendentalists were deeply influenced by Neoplatonism and by Vedanta, right, Indian mysticism as well as Persian Sufism, kind of that was like the three parts. Then you find that in the earliest uh, part of the 20th century, the first decades of the 20th century, the Theosophical mm -hmm. Society is very mm -hmm. prominent. And this is articulating this, this vantage point that all wisdom is one, there is a mystical current, there is a, you could say, a perennial current, right? This idea of the perennial philosophy, and you know Aldous Huxley writing his book on the perennial philosophy, in which European peoples are often rejecting the 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 institutional church or synagogue of the West, and often they're saying they're disliking that that it's saying you know it's not spiritual. It's often uh, you know so you know distancing themselves from organized religion and saying there's a mystical current, there's a stifling aspect of organized religion, then there's just the general trauma of the wars of religion in Europe. There's a, there's a European trauma about institutionalized religion, religion right? Yeah. And so uh, it's a turning away from that and looking for a personal experience of the transcendent, of transformation, and an openness. Now, uh, Inayat Khan then comes in, yeah. in 1910. And he starts articulating Sufism. He's really the first, you could say, uh, you know, popularizer of Sufism in the 20th century. And at first, interestingly enough, he's teaching the five daily prayers. He has a few people and he's, it's, it's more orthodox, chisti Sufism, right, from India. But he finds like, they're not, this whole conversion to Islam, they're not interested. But he finds that the Theosophical Society very interested and starts to invite him. And so he studies and he looks and he says, okay, if I articulate... Islam, and particularly Sufism, in the context of the theosophical understanding, mm -hmm. there's a great openness to it. And so he gains a big following <clears throat> in that context. And then, of course, there's small streams until you get to the 60s and 70s counterculture. And then, all of a sudden, there is a turn east for spirituality. And, of course, this is we think of... Hinduism and, and Buddhism and the going to India for a guru and the whole hippie trail. But the hippie trail goes through Muslim countries because they took the Orient Express on mm -hmm. right from Istanbul to Afga Afghanistan, Iran, Pakistan to get to India. So you have all these hippies, long haired hippies in these pre-modern, largely Muslim societies without electricity. And many of the elders in our community of uh, who are white convert to Islam on that thing because they find authentic spiritual masters they find their gurus in the muslim world essentially right and we could mention uh you know the abdul hadi hunter camps or the abdurrahman fitzgeralds and the you know Ab abdul haq godlesses they, they literally became muslim on this path right and so what you have then is the 
interpreting taking Sufism as one of these mystical currents, mm-hmm. right? Sufi Sam is an interesting figure who was in the Bay Area and he was called the guru to the hippies. And he kind of pioneers a, a type of Sufism, which is, and he actually traveled throughout the Muslim world, but how he articulates Islam is, or Sufism is very uh, unrecognizable to a Sufi coming from the Muslim world, right? Mm-hmm. Sufi dance and universal mysticism and these type of things, right? But the point is you have these communities Within, especially in the West Coast, they're very prominent. These these communities, which again, when the, when Sufi sheikhs or Sufi oriented Muslims from the Muslim world come and find these groups, it's very much like what is this? Very similar to when Muslims come from the Muslim world and see, you know, even you know Imam W D Muhammad's community, like we don't recognize a lot of these elements. What what is this, right? And there's so there's this really interesting. Parallel, and I, I always say, like, the fact that Rumi is the number one selling poet in America is inseparable from the phenomena that you know, mindfulness meditation is taught in the boardroom and that yoga is on every corner. It, it is this, this, this same phenomena in the same search, and I think I find it really interesting these kind of parallels. Hmm. And I find that you, you could say that many of these, right as you use the term proto-Islamic movements, there's almost these proto-Sufi movements, right? Hmm. <laughs> so I don't know if you've thought about some of that. Well, I mean, I mean, you've said, you've said a lot, um, but uh, a couple of things. First of all, um, I would love to see a book, mm-hmm. um, Islam and the White American. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that it would not look a whole lot like uh, Islam and the black American because the white experience and the black experience with Islam, indeed the white experience and the black experience with America, um, um, these are two very, very different things. Um, but I think that um, something that would would seek to, to place that experience um, in the kind of narrative that could be held up and analyzed and placed in conversation with other narratives would really heighten our ability to understand what it is that we have here in America in terms of the phenomenon of Islam. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that uh, uh, in the absence of that, you know, all of us can get sort of lost in our own corners and Mm -hmm. and not recognize um, that there are are Muslim interests uh, outside the ones that we might generally recognize on an everyday basis. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that our interests are not important. In fact, maybe our interests, for us at least, um, they're paramount. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that they are the only interests. And so, you know, as we proceed, you know, we have to try to be um, a- as mindful of that fact um, um, as we can. That, that's the one thing. The other thing that, that came to my mind as you were speaking is... Um, um, something that I count um, 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 a mistake. Mm. And, 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 and that is that, I mean, you mentioned Goethe and Dio uh, and Hafez. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, 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 you know, connections between the Muslim world and, the, and, 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 and Europe. I mean, they're, 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 centuries, uh, they're, they're centuries old. I mean, the intellectual borders were quite porous. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I mean, and in, and in, and in areas that, that, that we might not even, uh, might not even expect. Um, 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 one of my teachers, uh, non-Muslim in the, in the academy, um, felt very strongly uh, that even uh, St. Thomas Aquinas had mm-hmm. uh, basically been inspired by, you know, a work by, by a Baghdadi Hanbali mm-hmm. on the Sikh Nong, um, which you know, enabled him to develop his um, dialectical method. Um, so that there are all kinds of, of connections there. But what this reminds me of is this. You know, um, the West is not one thing. There are several competing strands, trends in the West. Some of them are more and some of them are less hospitable or hostile towards Islam and the Muslim world. I think it is a mistake for us to allow the category West to be completely monopolized by only those who are hostile 
to Islam. Mm -hmm. Because in so doing, we sort of perpetuate the very hostility that they want to uh, uh, sort of mm -hmm. um, put mm -hmm. out there as the defining yes, yes. de mm -hmm. relationship mm -hmm. between excuse me between mm -hmm. Islam and the West. Mm -hmm. Whereas in point of fact, um, what I mean? Why is Kant any more Western um, than was Haman, who, who who criticized him? I mean, quite quite, quite severely. Um, and, and to me, you know, this is part of you know the the, the, the project of bringing um, the West and Westerners into you know their own relationship with Islam mm -hmm. that can be organically engaged as their own. Yes. All right, um, and quite frankly, this is one of the um, one of the things that I see about about Black Americans now. Mind you, this is still a very controversial um, perspective, even within the Black community. Um, um, but to my mind, it is you know in part the Black community in America complicates uh, mm -hmm. this picture of you know America as this European uh, a, a phenomenon. Um, um, there is not one America. Uh, there are several Americas. Now, there's a dominant culture in America, but I think it's a mistake to allow that dominant culture, which is only a part, um, to unproblematically position itself as the whole, mm -hmm. uh, in the context of which, you know, you have two choices, either reject mm -hmm. or assimilate, mm -hmm. both of which are not acceptable yes, yes. to me. Um, and. Um, there are there are other options, all right, that can be organically engaged um, as part of the West that is not the dominant West, yes. all right, but that can speak with equal authority, all right, um, in the key of Islam, mm. all right, um, as as the West. Yes. I mean, of course, that's not the case now. But I'm I'm talking about in terms of the the kind of trajectory. Um, that that Islam could put itself on, yes. which would have the potential of really altering things um, from what they are now. Yes, um, and I think it's just a mistake to give over uh, to the West only that trend um, that you know that that's hostile yes. to to Islam. Sure. That's you know that that, that that's you know post-religion and yeah. you know and, and and all these kinds of things. And I think that. Um, in that context, it would be interesting to see something, you know, uh, sure. Islam and the Islam and the white American. Yeah, and um, and I think there there also, of course, because of the nature of racial history and segregation in America, there are two separate strands. But also, there's a lot of interesting overlap. Of so for instance, uh, uh, you know. Um, you know, in Berkeley in the early 60s, we were talking about actually pre-hippies. These were like the, the ones that sparked the hippies, right? The whole beat. Mo I mean, first the beats, they were, and they took their name from the beatific vision, mm. right? The beats come from beatific. Mm. They're actually interested right. in mysticism. And they're the ones that, you know, you know, what, what did uh, How Howell, the kind of like great poem of the beats, Allen Ginsberg says, running through the Negro streets at dawn, right? They're crossing the color barrier on the wrong mm. side of the tracks and the jazz, mm. obsessed with jazz and black art forms and black culture, they're crossing over. And this, because of that, they were considered edgy and, mm. and, and in a sense, um, not reputable to mainstream, uh, you know, white society. But then you have these movements in the 60s in Berkeley, right? You have the Floating Lotus Opera. You, you have this real you know the, the kind of budding of the hippie movement and at the core of that was these beat poets including amongst them was daniel abdul haymore mm -hmm. who was mm -hmm. one of my friends and one of my mm -hmm. teachers and hakeem archuleta was this is before their islam they're they're all meditating and do and doing psychedelics yeah. and reading rumi and and allen ginsburg is there and at two o'clock they're ex they're exploring this and then at four o'clock they go to oakland and and visit the black panther meeting mm -hmm. And they're, you see what I'm saying? They're mm -hmm. really crossing over. And then, of course, so, and I think this really comes to a head in a certain sense, as I mentioned to you yesterday, in the 90s, when hip-hop becomes the, not only, you know, uh, art form of the inner city, East Coast, but it becomes kind of global youth culture. Mm -hmm. And then you have ur urban and suburban youth who are really raised by this. And, of course whatever is on you know the popular forms but you scratch a little bit and you see you know 
the, the five percenter message. The first you know time I heard the name Allah was in a was in a Wu Tang song. You know what I mean? This is and and this is generation. And I told you that anecdote that that when I was in two thousand eight when I was studying in Cairo. And all of these tulab al-ilm, I'm talking, these are the serious students, right. converts and children of immigrants who are in America. They not just. I, I know many, if not most of them. Right. And not just. And I've heard some of this from some of them. Exactly. And so devoting their, like, this is it, is, <clears throat> is you know, and many of them now have since come back and become the, the, the generation, our generation's kind of leaders, community leaders and teachers. But we, we would play basketball every Thursday night. So it was all these Americans after one game sitting there and the conversation of hip-hop came up and one of the brothers said if it wasn't for hip-hop music and culture and art i wouldn't be here i would not be right wearing the azhari hat the azhari turban and every single brother and there were black white pakistani arab you know south south southeast asian we say yeah me too <laughs> so this was this cultural conveyance of the stream, and again, I told you, I, wrote the, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X because the people I looked up to, they looked up to him. And mm -hmm. I was still very young, 14 years old, but I said, well, I better know who he is. Mm -hmm. I'm embarrassed mm -hmm. that I don't mm -hmm. really know this. Mm -hmm. So I think there's interesting, as, there's interesting um, convergence of all these strands. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I mean, as I said, I mean, it's not a black American. That's 15, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, um, you know, I talked a lot in that book, I talked a lot about the importance of black religion mm -hmm. as a phenomenon, mm -hmm. as a wavelength on which the message of Islam tended to travel. Mm -hmm. um, if I were to rewrite that book today, um, um, uh, in fact, you know, I could even say that that was perhaps one of the oversights of that book, mm -hmm. but, but the question of the continued relevance or not the continued relevance, but the continued um, forcefulness of, of black religion um, as a sort of major definer of the mental landscape of, of mm. black Americans. There's a question as to whether that has waned or even dissipated. Um, um, and whichever of the two it may be, uh, it seems clear to me that at some point, um, hip hop picks up and becomes a wavelength on which Islam tends to travel among young people. All right, and I think that if you're telling the story of Islam in Black America, that has to be a part of it as well. Um, and I and 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 what's you pointed it out? What's what's interesting about it is that it is not limited to Black Americans. Um, many young second generation uh, immigrant uh, uh, Muslims um, have been very deeply influenced uh, by hip hop. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it has been, as you mentioned, uh, a road for some of them sort of, quote unquote, back to Islam. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I mean, these are, you know, you know it, it's, it's really, I mean, I, 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 I look forward to the day where um, we have developed both institutions and a, an, inter, an intellectual culture that's capacious enough to manage um, some of the, the deep disagreements that might exist around these things, but nevertheless mm -hmm. uh, allow those disagreements to come into the room mm -hmm. where, they can be, uh, where they can be shared talked about, mutually influenced, uh, et cetera. Otherwise, um, you know, things just develop in as haphazard a way uh, as they develop. And uh, as a community, we're always showing up, you know, sort of a day late, a dollar short. We're always catching up uh, rather than, catching up to trends rather than, uh, rather than setting trends. I mean, in our cultural production, um, it's it's not guided. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not intentional. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't have specific goals in mind um, that it wants to achieve, and vis-a-vis -vis which you know it can measure itself in terms of how close to or how far from it is from realizing its goal. Um, but I mean that that's probably something that's uh, 
that's some way in the, in, in the future because mm -hmm. um, there's a lot going on out there mm -hmm. um, that we don't really have sort of conscious conversations about. Yes, yes. Alhamdulillah, you've been very generous with your time and uh, we should probably wrap. Um, but I mean, this, these, there's so much to say. There's yeah, so many ways that this can go. And, um, you know, I think, as you mentioned, it's a time of great challenges, but it's also a time of great opportunities. And I'm really... Um, curious the ways that you know adding this element we have the black stream the white stream and then the the immigrant stream for you know but Islam is really part of American counterculture as you mentioned Western counterculture right of course you have the you know African African American um, by definition defining a way of being Western that is authentic and no one can challenge but yet it, it is by its very nature it is counter it is Right, but then you have this other interesting. You know, I'm, yes, I'm, yes, please. I, you know, I mean, I, 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 I get that. Mm -hmm. I, I, I get the whole counter counterculture thing, mm -hmm. and um, on, on some level, um, you know, even as I mentioned in Islam and the Black American, on some level, you know, I, 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 I would define. Um, black people as a as a as a protest people, mm. but I think that you know there's a there's an extent to which um, if 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 we are perpetually um, a counterculture, yes. um, then that means that someone else is defining the norm. Right. Um, and so we sort of fit into the spaces that are left over um, by what the norm has defined. Yes. Um, and that's not where we want to be perpetually. I mean, we don't want to be perpetually just responding to somebody sure, else. Sure, sure. Um, we are uh, not you. Yes. Um, not we are who we are. Yes, uh, just we are not you. Um, no. uh, so so I mean, I get I get the counterculture thing, um, but 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 I think that and, and there's a certain amount of that um, that that that's built into, to my mind, that's built into um, the Tawhidic uh, mm -hmm. Mindset, mm -hmm. all right, because the Tarhidic mindset is always very super vigilant yes. about false claimants yes. to, 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 to divinity yes. or the authority that only divinity uh, should be credited with. So that's part of the Tarhidic right. mindset. And, that's and, the and, la ilaha. Yeah, that's the, yes, and that, that's, that, 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 that's there. Um, but there, there, there also has to be an affirmation. Islam cannot simply be against stuff. Yes. I'm against this, I'm against that, I'm against that. Right. What are you for? What, yes. are, what are you going to produce for the people? You know, no. you know, you know, one of the things that America doesn't get, and I mean just America in, in general, you know, there's a book by a guy named uh, Albert Murray. It's called The, uh, the Omni-American. Mm. And uh, uh, Murray's probably considered in some circles a, a conservative, but he's not one of those black conservatives, you know, the Thomas Sowell types. He's, he's not. He's not one of those. But at one point, he 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 makes he makes he makes he he makes a point that I think will be interesting, uh, interestingly applied to Islam. He makes the point that you know, you know, he's talking about the Moynihan report and things like mm -hmm. that. And he's you know. Whites are always, and he's writing in the '60s and '70s, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, so, still a time of very heightened, you know, racial tension. So he says, you know, whites are always analyzing blacks from the perspective of the dominant culture, mm -hmm. and in that context, always seeing them coming up sort of short. Mm -hmm. All right. But they never ask themselves, what is it that black people enjoy about being black? Mm. Right? And he says, you know, if they could come to the black part of town for one Saturday night, mm -hmm. right? Um, their analyses may, may change, mm -hmm. right? Now, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, yes, we have lots of challenges. We have, you know... You know, lots of things we have to confront. There are dangers out there, and so you know, we 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 have to be prepared, sort of sort of to defend ourselves, mm -hmm. and you know, to, to 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 conduct ourselves in such a way that preempt 
uh, some of these things from happening to us that others want to happen to us. But, but we can't just get stuck there. Right. What is it that yes. Muslims actually enjoy yes. about being Muslim? Yes, sure. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. I mean, Islam is not no, just. Absolutely. It's not just. Oh, I react to this. Yes, I react yes. to. What is it that we enjoy yes. about being Muslim? Mm-hmm. All right, and how can that mm-hmm. be conveyed? Beyond our ranks, mm-hmm. you see what I'm yeah. saying. So, I mean, I, I get the counterculture, yeah. and I, I'm not, I'm not, no, no, I'm I, not, I'm not, you know, I'm not 100 percent against it. All right, yes. but that that cannot be a permanent yes. state uh, for, for 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 a successful uh, for a successful yes. Muslim community. And I mean, even though, again, the Tawhidic mindset, yes. it remains vigilant, mm-hmm. always vigilant. Yes. Um, but what what is it? I mean, that's, I mean that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. what is it? What is it that I enjoy yes. about being Muslim? Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. And and how do we how do we convey that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, that's that's one mm-hmm. of our challenges. Yeah. And by the way, not only to the dominant culture, as it were, mm-hmm. even to our kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, right after uh, uh, the current president was elected, I remember I was in uh, doing a program with. Um, Dr. Omar Farouk Abdullah, and the organizers named it, uh, I think it was uh, Spiritual and Artistic Resistance in Times of Tribulation. And I love that because mm-hmm. I, you know, mm-hmm. fight the power, mm-hmm. you know, rage mm-hmm. against the machine. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that. And so I did some poetry and, and shared some remarks. And then Dr. Omar spoke. And the first thing he mentioned, he said, we should think through the use of the word resistance. And he said, I'm not saying we should not use it, but we should think about the categories that we use first and how we define ourselves. And what I heard him saying was the Prophet ﷺ didn't define himself as the resistance to the, the Quraysh, but he defined what Islam was, mm-hmm. and then they actually became the resist. right? He didn't define himself vis-a-vis what he wasn't. He yeah. decided what he was. But the yeah. thing is, I think, and perhaps, you know, you mentioned, like, I mean, I think thinking about anyone who becomes Muslim in America, for sure, but especially white people, perhaps, you don't become Muslim in almost all cases, except after a deep and sustained critique of the normative categories of America, of race, of religion. You can't. It's Absol- not- I mean, look, that, that applies equally to blacks. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and again, this is, again, why it's really important for us as a community to have, you know, the kinds of spaces where we can have really responsible, disciplined conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, as a convert, mm-hmm. okay, and I think that, and, and this may upset some people, but, you know, um, you know, I, I, I think that as a black, you know, people are used to thinking about blacks as people who just have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. sort of, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know, we're the middle passage people. Mm-hmm. All right. And so anything is better than what we <laughs> than what than what we have. Mm-hmm. And therefore, because of that point of departure, many people can't see that as a black who converts to Islam, all right, mm-hmm. at some point you conduct a critique of your society where you are, all right, of the white and the black society in which you live. Mm. You conduct a critique, mm-hmm. all right, and you decide on the basis of that critique that I am going to move into something called Islam. Mm-hmm. And that very act of conversion, all right, mm-hmm. subsumes that critique into it. Mm-hmm. And so even as you remain a member of that society, even as you remain attached to that society, even as you continue to recognize, recognize that society as home, mm-hmm. that critique is still a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. That's what many people who hear somebody like me talk about America, they don't hear that. Mm-hmm. You, you see what I'm yes, saying? Yes. All right? Um, um, this is a very important part for us to articulate. All right? And by the way, critique it's not the same as hatred. Yes. I don't hate these people. Mm-hmm. I have my critique. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully that critique is grounded, mm-hmm. you know, in my understanding 
uh, my understanding of Islam, mm-hmm. and I will continue uh, to try to put that forward, but hopefully it will be a constructive critique, mm-hmm. all right? Um, but this is a very important aspect of, you know, of, of, of who, the, who the convert is, especially the first-generation convert, mm-hmm. all right? Um, um, I mean, I could say a lot more about that, but I'll, I'll probably stop there. But this is a, this is a, this is a very important, uh, a, a very important point um, because people, you know, when they hear people like you or me, you know, say America, well, they see flag waving. Mm-hmm. That that's not what we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, the critique that said, okay, I am no longer going to be a member of the dominant black or white. All right. Uh, sort of definition of, 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 of American, all right? I have a, a third option that I'm going to pursue. And that critique is always embedded, all right, in the very being of that, of that, of that convert, all right? Um, and I think that if, if more people understood that, this may make some of these conversations a bit more, uh, you know, a bit easier, uh, because, you know, many of the suspicions may, may dissipate uh, once that's once that once that's understood. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it definitely comes through to me in your writings and and, and in your in, in my personal interactions with you that your research is a labor of love mm-hmm. and it is a love for for people and for all people and it is a concern with that the beauty and the truth of what you have experienced in Islam be understood mm-hmm. by all people and that that the project of Islam in America mm-hmm. is able to navigate the challenges and vicissitudes and opportunities of this historical moment. Absolutely. So that comes through. And Thank I you. hope it comes through for you, everybody. You, 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 you put it more eloquently than I could ever than <laughs> I could ever hope to put it. So, so, so thank you for that. Jazakallah khair. Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.